Hey, I'm Brooke. My friends and I perform spooky stories on our podcast, 13. 13 is a movie for your ears with immersive sound design and music from our composer. And we're not reading you the same old ghost stories from Reddit with original stories from our in-house writers and submissions from up and coming authors. 13 will make you smile, break your heart and have you wishing for a nightlight. Atmospheric, slow burn, always spooky, and sometimes sexy. Our friends are some of the best voice actors and writers in our little corner of the podcast industry. So if you want to find out why those figures in black keep meeting by the water just before dawn, why you should never sleep in a room with an empty chair, or why you hear faint music echoing from the abandoned mall, join us by following 13 wherever you're listening right now. That's 13, the word, not the number, all spelled out. Bridget Howard keeps asking for my teeth. Wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, and welcome to Camp Haven Side. As you may have read from the podcast description, this show is a seasonal anthology horror podcast, meaning that every season is its own separate and unrelated story, and you can start with any season when listening to it. This episode of Hemophobia is brought to you by the newest member of the Patreon, Fox. If you are a fan of Hemophobia and you would like the show to continue to exist, please support the Patreon at any tier from $3 to $7 to $15 a month. In return, you'll receive early access to new episodes, a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears, and even access to virtual live shows wherein I perform material from Hemophobia streamed for all to view. Also included is access to the patron-only Discord server where you can chat with myself, chat with other fans, and also have access to regular live streams as well. Join the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cswhorror, no dots, no dashes, and the link for it is down in the description as well. If you are a fan of Hemophobia and other podcasts as well, you can always support the show by subscribing to Apollo Plus. Apollo is an audio fiction-only podcatcher app with the best interface I have seen in any podcatcher app, and by subscribing to their paid service Apollo Plus for just $10 a month, you'll receive a variety of content such as early access to episodes, ad-free listening, and bonus episodes as well, from shows like the SCP Archives, 13, and Mayfair Watchers Society. From Hemophobia, you will receive early access to new episodes, as well as ad-free listening, and other perks along the way. You can access Apollo Plus by downloading the Apollo Podcasts app, or by going to www.apollopods.com. The link is in the episode notes as well. And of course, if you enjoy Hemophobia, go ahead and pause the episode now and leave a five-star rating and review on whatever podcatcher that you listen to. It really does help. Now presenting, Camp Haven Side. As always, Hemophobia is a horror podcast and thus contains very graphic content. All content warnings can be found in the episode notes down below. The role of Sam and the Blood are played by CSW. The role of Grace is played by Kayla Temshiv. The role of Shane is played by Mason Amadeus. The role of Molly is played by Brooke Jeanette. The role of Judith is played by Annika Hansen. The role of Timothy is played by Brad Colebrook. The role of Thatcher is played by James Oliva. The role of Calvin Sanders is played by Jordan Reed. The role of Dennis Reeves is played by Ian Everson. The role of Heather is played by Tal Manier. The role of Malcolm Gray is played by Graham Rowat. Ensemble is played by Dustin Parsons, Caroline Minx, Tucker and Haberlin Roberts. The choir is made up of Brooke Jeanette, Mason Amadeus, Haberlin Roberts, Caleb Ritchie, Atticus White, and Noel Woolery. Additional vocals contributed by Annika Hansen. All writing and sound design by CSW. Enjoy Monday, and look out for Tuesday, Part 1, coming Tuesday, November 28th.
Monday. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity we have. This time you've given us to gather together and to praise your name and spend time with each other in a way that honors you, Lord. To connect with each other, to have fun with each other, and to do it all while just giving all the glory to you, Lord, and sharing with each other the gift that is your love, the same love you showed us when you died on that cross for all of our sins. And more than anything, God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. With the collective word, the chapel congregation raised their heads. All right, everybody. Now we're going to go to family time for a bit. Find your camp counselors so they can lead you to where your space is going to be. And then, hey, everybody, hey, guys, one more second. Then they'll give you the schedule for the morning sports so you can head there right after you are done. So find counselors, family time, then sports. All right. Sam stood, turned around, looked at the crowded pews, found Thatcher's tall head and a yellow baseball cap, standing above the rest and waving two tan arms at him. Sam headed in his direction, sliding through crowds, the rest of family number three accompanying. All right, all right, all right, all right. Looks like we're all just about here. Timothy, uh, where are you at? I'm here, behind Molly. Perfect. Now. I'm going to take you all to a magical place. Are you ready? <sighs> are you ready for the magical place? Yes. Mm-hmm. Shane, are you ready? Heaven, yes, I am. Good, because it's time for... That tree out there, outside the chapel. How magical. Okay, let's go now. I am not ready for Thatcher's magic today. Sam proceeded alongside the seven other family members. They followed out the double doors of the worship room and into the vestibule, glass doors on either side of them, and through the set on their right out of the chapel. Young, orange sunlight rained down. Sam squinted against it, went under the shade of a tree with the rest of them, a bench bordering its trunk. Thatcher sat on the ground. All right. How we feeling, Family Three? Um... Good. I'm ready for rest time. There's that morning spirit. I knew you had it in you. Especially you, Shane. I can see that. <laughs> that, uh, that, that spark of life. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I... You know me. I always feel most alive first thing in the morning. It's like 11, you boob. And, and Molly's a regular mathematician. Look at that. Shut up. You shut up. Man, you, you two are just... Vicious. So... Anyhow, Calvin talked about quite a bit this morning, right? He quoted the Gospel of John and and that first chapter where he talks about John coming into Jerusalem to spread the word of God, saying, I'm just coming here to spread the good news, you know? I'm no Messiah. I just came to help out. So, just to start out, let's do a little bit of an icebreaker question type thing, just so we can get to know each other as a, as a camp family. Get ourselves a, a, a little more acquainted. We're going to go around around uh, the circle here, and, and I want you to say your name, which church you came from, and then tell me this. Why are you here? You know, John has a pretty clear reason for going where he was going. So, 
I just want to know what's your reasoning for coming here on this trip to Camp Havenside. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be as huge as John's or, or anything. It doesn't that have to be a, a big, long, intense thing. Just just whatever it is you feel. You know, we, we can go around. Uh, Timothy, you start. Yeah. Um, well, my name's Timothy. I'm from the Pure Heart Church of Christ. And my reason for coming here, um, well, I, I came because, I mean, I, I love going on uh, the camp trips with the church. Yeah, yeah, I go every year. That's why I always come. I love it here. So that's, uh, that, that's my main reasoning, I guess. All right. Yeah. Even though this particular camp is a new one for all of us, you know, you know, like Calvin was saying last night. But I think, I think we, we all feel the same. Yeah. Okay, Molly. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, I'm Molly. Molly Hurst. And, um, I, I came from... Yep. She forgot the name of the church already. Shut <laughs> up, Shane. Do you need to phone a friend? Stop it! Um, I came from Pure Heart Church of Christ. See? And I, um, I don't know. I, I think I just like being able to connect with people and um, have fun and, and praise God, but, like, still have fun, you know? Like... I just love getting to spend this time with my friends. And we just, when we all get together like this and we're focusing on God and stuff, I feel like there's just no better way to feel good than by doing that, you know? Yeah, for sure. The Bible tells us that... Like, what better time is there, you know? I totally agree. The Bible tells us in so many ways, really, that we should not see following God as something that is like a chore, like something that's unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Shane? Hey, guys. I'm Shane. I, uh, I'm also from Pure Heart Church of Christ, represent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I came for the wicked tan. If I'm, if I'm honest. You would say that. <laughs> You're tan enough. Not yet, man. No, no. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think the reason I came... Is, it just feels good to know that you're all right. You know, like like being here with everyone, it's, it's like, hey, even if I mess it up sometimes, even if I make some mistakes, you know, to know that God still sees me as at least a sort of okay guy... You know, and I, and I haven't screwed up absolutely everything. I, I don't know. Haven't been struck by lightning yet, so doing something, right? <laughs> don't speak too soon. Yeah, I guess I, guess I shouldn't, <laughs> should I? Ah, boy. But yeah, in all seriousness, that that's valid. So, you know, sometimes we get this idea of God that he's a big, angry man looking to punish us, and we should feel afraid and ashamed of ourselves. But that's... That's the whole point of Christ. It's to not be ashamed any longer. It just takes that that acceptance of his grace. Yeah. Judith. I'm Judith Gray. K 
came from pure heart. Man, we own this family. (laughs) (laughs) Pure heart, Church of Christ, and um, I'm here to strengthen my faith, to pray to God, and listen for his reply, to study his word, so that I may know him better. Well, hey, can't go wrong with that, right? Yeah. Sam! Um... Sorry, what was the, uh, question again? Well, your name, to start off. (laughs) There was laughter. (laughs) There were questions. There was an absence of words. An absence Sam had to fill. Your name, your church, then your reason for coming here, coming to the camp? Right, of uh, of course. Um, I'm Sam. Came from Pure Heart Church of Christ as, uh, as well. And I, um... I, uh, came here to, um, I I want to, need to, really, um, well, I, I haven't been, I've never been, um, serve, thud, then the volleyball whirled into the air scattering droplets from one corner of the pool to another. It was family against family, teams divided on either side of a net, swimming with their shirts still on. Sam looked down at his, floating around him, turned almost gelatinous under the water like an extra layer of skin, retracting tightly about his body when he leapt. Sam was near the back corner. His hands remained slightly raised while his eyes, squinting in the sun, struggled to follow the ball until... That's out, son. A teammate floated slowly to the back of Sam's side of the pool. The ball was tossed back over the barrier into Calvin's hand. All right, who wants to serve? I'm getting tired of it. I'll do it. All right, first come, first server. She caught the ball, then held it up high in her left hand. The cloth of her dark shirt, lifted out of the water, clung tightly to her shoulder and forearm. She brought one fist to the ball from beneath sending it soaring across the sun. Sam kept his hands slightly raised. Hers were relaxed, submerged, subdued eyes wandering from ball to barrier to nothing at all, hovering over the waters. Sam watched her, watched her watch the water. His toes tapped the floor of the pool. It was the same water to have seen immersions of other kinds, other people achieving other unions. It was the same water they shared, but she was far away from him. She was behind the net. Ooh, that's out. Our ball. She was behind the net, and he wanted to speak to her. 
wanted to say something that would make her look away from the water and look at him within the water. And if she saw him there in the water, would she see what he was? And would she see the water that he was not within? Would she pull him out of the pool together with her? Or would she leave him there, floating and awkward in the floating layer of his shirt? Boom! Get wrecked, as the kids say. Hours. The ball transferred back to her. She lifted and launched it, then hefted herself up onto concrete, slipping from the waters as an artifact from sand. She walked to the far end of the pool area, lifted a water bottle from the ground, drank. A lock of hair came unstrung and dangled momentarily over her face. A skin of gray cloth tightened, wet but lifted out of the water. It clung to her body. Her eyes flicked upwards at his. Look alive! The ball collided with Sam's head, knocking his glasses off and splashing water into his eyes. Whoa! Man down! I'm alright. Sam waved one hand vaguely behind him, while the other retrieved his glasses. He fell serving his people, as a soldier does. He lifted himself onto the concrete and sat beside Shane, who'd been struck out from Sam's team near the start of the game. Whoo! Let's let Grace serve again! She's making all these guys fall over! The game continued. She was certainly your downfall. Sam turned to Shane. What? Grace? Something tells me you were having uh, a little trouble focusing out there. I guess so. When are you going to get up the nerve to make a move? I don't know. I'm telling you, she'd go for you, dude. Once she gets to know you. But you gotta give her that opportunity. I don't think she even knows who I am. Oh, she at least knows your name. We're not that big of a youth group. I mean, hell, she knows Judith, I think, and Judith knows everyone. Maybe try to get her to hang out with us or something. Have you, have you like, ever spoken to her? Not really. Well, that's step number one. Words are the beginning. I know. Sam's feet dangled in the water, motion obscuring everything. Serve! The cabin was quiet. Sunlight came faint through the few windows in the brick walls. Sam sat on a top bunk, able to see the whole cabin. Double-bunked beds stretching out with campers taking advantage of the allotted hour for rest. Sam was not resting. He sat, legs fixedly crossed, hands folded meditatively. The pale tome lying in front of him on the wrinkled sheets. He closed his eyes. Guidance toward the right. Wisdom to find the hidden strength to apply, a submission 
open arms, inviting greater control. He lifted the book and tilted it onto its spine. Eyes still closed, he moved his thumbs in random directions, settling eventually on a page. His eyes flitted open, and with them, the book. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. No temptation, temptation has overtaken no, you, but except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. What other kind? Human, angel, Sam straightened his glasses and exhaled. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. No, my limits. He will not I. let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Cannot. What he will not let you be tempted coming. beyond what you can bear. Yes. Ah, he will not let you he be tempted beyond what again. you can for bear. For you. He will not let you be tempted again. beyond what you can bear. Stop it. He will not let you Come be back. tempted Focus. beyond what you can bear. One worse torment possible. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Nothing there. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Water would do it. It would muddle the sound of his thoughts until he couldn't hear them anymore, as through an ocean. It would wake up the sins sleeping inside of him, the ones he couldn't see although he knew they were there. It would wash them from his heart. Water would do it. Sam looked at the ceiling, looked at it as if to see through it. Time was just a shortening tether, and maybe it was that simple. He closed his eyes and pressed his fingertips into the lids. He saw the simmering lake of coals. He opened, then closed his eyes again and saw the water an immersion all the same. 
Water would do it. She won't ever stop being that way. That is what she is, and I don't know how else to say it. I don't think of her that way. Yeah, well, of course you don't. You're on her good side. Get on her bad side, and you'll see what I'm saying. Who? Judith. Who else? She was a little salty with Shane during Frisbee just now. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Her dad just so happens to run the church, gets up on stage once a week, and suddenly she's a fucking Virgin Mary. Language. What happened exactly? Shane hopped onto his bed in the upper bunk next to Sam's. Timothy sat on the bunk beneath it. We're playing Frisbee in a circle, right? And it's me and Molly next to each other, and like seven other people, Judith being one of them, and all of a sudden, me and Molly accidentally catch the Frisbee at the same time, right? We're holding it between us, and she just starts slapping, so I start pulling on it, and we're just playing around and joking, whatever. And then Judith comes between us, takes it, and says loudly in front of everyone, Keep it up like this, and you'll be starting a family in no time. And no, it didn't sound like a joke. Normally, I just think it was a joke, and I normally wouldn't get annoyed about it if I didn't know Judith, and if I didn't know that she was trying to, like, embarrass me or punish me or some shit. Language! I mean, you don't know that she was meaning it like that or whatever. Like, you can't be sure. You know she was, Timothy. That's just what she does. Anytime anybody does something even just slightly off color, she's got to get all judgy and gang up against them. It's just what she does. You know what I mean, Sam. Sam didn't reply. He peered down to Timothy, petite and pale beneath a broad and bare-skinned Shane. I'm telling you, dude, one of these days, she's going to slip up. She's going to be the one to feel ashamed. And when she does, so help me God, this whole camp is going to know about it. Sam stood with people in front of him and behind him, the long line for canteen. They were huddled against the brick wall of a long rectangular building where, a few tens of campers down the line, counselors served canteen from a wide window, handing out candy bars, bags of chips, sodas and styrofoam cups. 
The line moved slowly. Sam looked over his shoulder. Sitting at one of the picnic tables, Shane poked Molly in the nose, and she covered her face, laughing. Standing beside a tree, Thatcher looked down at Timothy, alternately nodding and speaking. In line behind Sam, next to the nurse's office adjoined to the same building, three girls yelped and jolted out of line, a wasp hovering over them, between their waving hands. Sam turned back forward, kept waiting. A few moments later, he walked away from the window holding a Twix bar and a Powerade Sprite mixture. He looked up at the sky, looked at its thickening blue. He looked down at his food, at the cup, and he f- Oh, 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 oh man. I- Sorry, I, I, I didn't... It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, um... I, I wasn't... I, I didn't, um... Sam's mouth opened. It stayed opened. I... I... She had already walked past him. Didn't seem to notice he was saying anything. In a few seconds, she was mid-sentence again with someone else. Sam stood still. He turned back around, went to go sit at a table. Night was falling. The water of the pond became still dark. There were no ripples on its surface. The grass grew crisper, firmer. In the death of sunlight, a faint chill became manifest, and the blades of grass were sharper. The hum of locusts rose in the air. As the night became a deep black, it ceased. Stars gleamed down from above, but in the forest they were not visible. There was always something blocking them. And as the colors of the forest changed, the warmth of sunlight withdrew from Camp Havenside. All right, y'all, you can be seated. How's everyone doing tonight? Let me hear you say it. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. That's right. That's right. He is. He is. You know, I just hope each of y'all churches are competing against one another for who can be the loudest. To make God hear us. I'm just saying. Now, no bad blood. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Heart. That's all I'm saying. We are the biggest church. Okay, so like we talked about yesterday, this Sunday. week's theme, the theme for this trip to Camp Havenside is will. What next? Having what a next? will and knowing 
what that is and how it fits into our role as Christians. It ain't easy. And it's a lot more complicated than it would seem at first glance. Nice. Another problem, though, comes whenever we have to acknowledge that there are other wills out there than just our own. Obvious. Wow. He yeah, knows. There's other people out there. He stuff. does. Comic relief. Crazy. Obligatory. You know, having to factor in all those wills may seem even more difficult and more complicated. But finding the first will that you're going to have to deal with as a follower of Christ, it's actually pretty easy. Is anything. All that's because it's literally all around you all the time. It's the will, drum roll, of the world. The will of the world is Earth, around you constantly. Doesn't feel constantly. Like people you ever think about that? Nowadays, Nature. with the iPhones and laptops and Snapchats and Windows to Face and all the other things that are going to make me sound real old, you're exposed to this stuff all the time which means it's going to be even harder for you to distinguish yourself from the world when it's got 101 ways to reach you. Biblical number? But since no. biblical 144. Times, the will of Christians has always kind of run against the will of the world around us. It's just a, it's just a natural thing. In our nature, Back in religion, then, and the at blood. least in Roman times, it was Other times. for us to even, you know, exist. In order to exist and still be following the law, you had to worship Caesar. You couldn't Coin. worship God. Most importantly, you couldn't follow Jesus. Easiest. Those that did, form well, most of the time, were taken away from their homes, put on stakes, burned alive to light the royal garden. Back then, that was just what they did to us Christians whenever they found us. The wriggling, that horrific screaming. But what about some of the more complicated situations? Many. Now, persecution may not be immediately relevant to you. In America. Too. But things still get in the way. The truth right? and the life. There's always things trying to distract you, prevent you from having the will that he wants you to have. That's why we, as Christians, you hear this all the time, but it's true. We, as Christians, need to strive to be in this world, not of this world. Prepositions, this holy semantics. We see so many examples of this in the Bible. One of them in Genesis chapter 39. You can encapsulate all. See, here and Joseph from the start. charge of the house of Potiphar, and he's got everything to himself. No one watching over him. He's the man of the house. And it's written, Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Oh. But he refused. Heard this one. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house, Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Honorable no one voice, is greater in this house brown than My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Universal monogamy, inviolable. Now that is willpower. Am I right, boys? If you've got this woman attractive enough for a pharaoh's official to marry, and she's telling you, no, it's no big deal, really, just come with me and... No one will have to know about anything at all. It'll be a secret. That's pretty tempting, right? Reduce, reduce, but Joseph reduce. Joseph is better than that. Joseph tells her, nope, I'm a man of God, and that is not what men of God do. Amen? Rack willpower like a brute. Now, what I'm getting from this story is that if you want to have a will of your own, like we talked about last night, but a will of your own that matches up with his will, then we no longer have any excuses, right? We can't blame what our will is on the wills of the people around us. We can't say, 
okay, Jesus, I like what you're saying. I really like being able to go to church and call myself a Christian and everything. But there's this thing that everyone else is doing, and I really want to Conformity do it too. Conformity nope, universal. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it. The world can try and tell you it's perfectly normal and natural and everybody does it. Or my favorite one, that it's, quote, only human for you to do it. I'm only human, right? So what if I kill someone? I'm only human. Reduce human. So what if I have sex before marriage? Hey, I'm only human. Reduce right? human. Become but something more. But those what God says, you know, Christ-like. Become a Anybody god. No. with Potiphar's wife, but Joseph said, absolutely not. God has commanded me not to do that, and that right there is all the reason I need to say no. Follow. Simple as that. Obey. That's what it means to be Christian. Give me orders. If we turn to Romans chapter 12, we read Apostles, this verse right disciplines. at the beginning of the chapter. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Water, that continue. by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Synonymous. Emmanuel Kant. Notice the key word there. You may discern what is the will of God. Funny how that word ends up in there, you know what I mean? Plan. See? That, brothers and sisters, guys, listen. That right there is all you need to understand this verse and to understand why we need to follow it. By not conforming to the world around us, we are following the will of God. Universal. We're not whole supposed world. to stand out. Churches just to for stand all. Out. Counterculture. We're supposed to stand out because otherwise, we're letting ourselves become enticed by the world and getting sucked into Earth wearing red dress. Start becoming okay with the saints. Horror of Babylon revelation yet again. We're no longer following God at that point. That won't be me. And that's just the truth. We've got to realize if we're going to follow Christ that in a world that doesn't want anything to do with him. Screaming. We talk about following God like it's supposed to be easy, like it's never supposed to be unpleasant or painful or anything like that. But unfortunately, that's just not true. It's supposed to be pretty tough, you know? We all have our crosses to bear. And it's not easy to make that kind of commitment. In Matthew chapter 6, the Bible tells us that nobody can serve two different masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Verse 24. And I, and I think that's true, especially true when it comes to this question of like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be God, God, God's will? Or is it going to be the world's will? It, it sounds so simple that way, but, but I think what Calvin more or less laid out tonight is that it's not. It's not simple at all. There's plenty of things that, that hold us back, right? Plenty of things. What are some of the things for you guys? I think one of the devil's biggest weapons is low self-esteem, right? I mean, one of his three titles is accuser. And he'll actually, something I've found out with my time in youth ministry is that with a lot of teenagers, I, I think he uses their own shame, their own insecurity and guilt, and he uses those negative emotions to paralyze those people even more. 
and make them feel less worthy of a life with God. And it makes baptism that much harder for them because they, they feel like they don't deserve it. Yeah. So, Judith... What's the solution? Yeah, sorry, what? Uh, what did you say, Sam? What's the solution? If somebody's own personal shame and guilt makes them want to be baptized even less, I mean... What would you say to someone like that? Mm. I suppose I'd, I suppose I would say that the only real answer to a lack of self-love is God. He loves you better than you can, so much better than you can. In that case, I, I mean, it's, it's like, of course you feel bad about yourself. Of course you feel unworthy. If you haven't had your shame cleansed by his blood, then you're going to feel bad about yourself. It's, it's only natural. Nobody can really have self-love. One that is authentic, at least, if, if they don't have his love first. So, the only real solution is, is to join with him in a life together. His love is what you really need. It's what everybody really needs. Does that... Answer your question. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go. Everybody, before we go to bed, everybody follow me to the pool. The words were a summons, an ecstatic end to the devotional, but an extension of the hymn's volume. Arms previously joined in multiple concentric circles disbanded all at once, turned to a murmuring haste towards the pool. Sam inhaled. The stars twinkled mutedly. So as a lot of y'all seem to have uh, figured out, Joshua here has decided that he wants to give his will to the one most worthy of possessing it and dedicate the rest of his life to serving Jesus Christ. Joshua, look around you. Right now in this very instant, you are looking at the family you will keep for the rest of your life. Not just these people here, not even just the church, but one day, the heavenly kingdom of God. All you need to do is answer me a few questions. 
Joshua straightened, shook the hair from his eyes. Joshua Green, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Resolute yet gentle. And do you believe that he died for your sins so that you might be forgiven for your sins and spend a life with him for the rest of eternity? Yes. Relieved like the exhalation of a mended wound. Then, Joshua Green, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, for the forgiveness of your sins. <sighs> there were cheers, and bodies after bodies threw themselves into the water to embrace him. The pool looked brighter than in daylight as if electrified by the same spirit for which it baptized. Sam remained where he sat, feet wavering in the water. When it was still, it looked like a block of ice, a glacier in which his feet were already trapped. He couldn't leave it. He couldn't lift himself out of it. How was the rest of him going to get inside of it? Would it at all? Life was a terminal state. Life was a single, unending interval of struggle, caged by an eternal sleep. But life, true life, in that pool waiting for him and yet still he sat unmoving unsatisfied unable somehow worse than unwilling to even take a dip at all he stared at his unpierced palms to see through them would be all it would be all he needed all he needed in order to do what Joshua had just done. He watched the campers dive into the water and cover Joshua with arms, with love, a death to the world, a death to the self, whether into the waiting water or into the dirt. One plunge was all. One single baptism would relieve him. As a deer pants for streams of water. What is that? Molly stood behind him. She pointed to a dark object floating around the other bend of the L-shaped pool opposite from the baptism. Turning, Sam saw it was a fallen branch, floating dead atop the surface. It's Gilly! <laughs> Molly turned to thrash at Shane as he thrashed at her, their infinite exchanges of touch. The lifeless branch floated like a drowning man. All right, lights out.
darkness took the cabin. again. Trees. 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 Stop it. Stop it. Trees are walking. Trees are walking. Caleb, will you please shut it? Trees walking. Walking. The trees are
Sam opened his eyes. He was already standing up. His eyes were on the trunk of a tree that was black all over. It was not dead. But it did not look like it was alive. He did not know when he started seeing it, but felt he had been looking at it for a long time. He looked up, moving for the first time that he could remember. The leaves of the tree were still there, but a pale gray. Behind it and all around it were other trees of the same black trunk and the same pallid leaves. And it occurred to him then that there was no color anywhere around him. He looked down at himself, and he was gray too. He was also naked, but there didn't seem to be anyone in the forest other than him. Except for Christ. Sam saw Christ on his left, crouching against the trunk of a tree, holding on to it for balance. Sam attempted to cover his body with his arms. But Christ did not seem to notice. He was looking directly into Sam's eyes. Christ was scared. His face was haggard, pale. Though he was beautiful in a sense, he also looked dead. His stare was so hard that it felt like he was trying to tell Sam something. Like he was remembering something he had forgotten. Or had tried to forget. Sam wanted to ask Christ why he was scared. He wanted to ask him where everyone was. Because he felt that they were somewhere. Christ's eyes were watering slightly at the base of the lids, shaking in their sockets. And Sam felt he no longer wanted to ask those questions. But after Sam had been looking at Christ for long enough, he realized something. Christ was not looking at Sam. He was looking behind Sam. Oh. Oh.